Hey everybody, the year, 1978, the album Woody Allen's stand-up comic. It goes by several different labels. Uh, three different albums are kind of combined into this one. We've talked about it before, but this time we're talking about it with Jim Hamilton. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, so, first of all, I mean, I don't know that I would have necessarily pegged, and not that it's right to try and peg somebody for what they might like based on their comedy, but this wouldn't be the first thing I might think of if I think of you. So I'm just curious, what's, what's, what's important about this album to you? Um, well, when I was starting out in Madison, Wisconsin, um, I was kind of unique to the scene there. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of road comics and stuff. There was, and uh, an older guy uh, said I reminded him of a young Woody Allen, uh -huh. and uh, I didn't know anything about Woody Allen, okay, except for the tabloid stuff. And, sure, sure. You know, I didn't know anything, and I, so I kind of took it as an insult, and he could see <laughs> oh, that no. I took it as an insult. Uh -huh. He's like, no, check out his early work. He's like, I think you'll like it. And uh, so that was that, and I didn't bother to look it up or anything. <laughs> and then I was at a friend's house, who was like my writing partner and comedy partner kind of at the time. And uh, I saw he had Woody Allen's Without Feathers mm -hmm. on his bookshelf, and we had been smoking weed, and I grabbed it, and I laughed so loud yeah. a million times over. Yeah. And I was reading it back to him, although he's read it front to back probably a million times, and I couldn't stop reading it to him. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and so then the next day I went out and found the album. This, this is the one I found was Stand Up Comic. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was, I could see why he thought I sounded like Woody Allen, even though, you know, Midwestern Gentile. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But still, no, I mean, there's definitely, how how different or similar was your delivery to what it is now at the time? I mean, um it was I now I'm strictly like a one-liner comic, but mm -hmm. back then mm -hmm. I was more stories with lots of punchlines. Okay, and okay. So I was more similar to Woody Allen. I can see, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but my biggest influence prior to that would have been Emo Phillips by far. Yeah. And so just absurd stories that kind of coalesce into something tangible and real, even mm -hmm. though they're so absurd. And so yeah. Uh, that no, see that makes sense. And I'm all I you know I, I do hear different stories too about how much of Woody Allen's stand-up was like kind of group written or whatever, which is interesting to me, just because this stuff is so mind-blowingly good and it seems like it must be coming from one mind. Yeah. That's what's weird to me, Yeah, that more than one person could have written this. Um, and he, I mean, he definitely, obviously, he had a personality and he had a character that, that you're not going to find anymore. Was you was your early stuff... Um, I mean, because you do have a character. I don't know if, if I could describe what your character is on stage. Yeah. Um, do you have an idea? Like, is, is there a thing to it? Or is it just like, no, I know this is just a, an aspect of my um, personality? I think it's, well, I definitely started just trying to straight rip off emo, I uh -huh. think, you know. So, uh, and then as I got a little better and became, it, it shifted closer to who I am. Mm -hmm. So now I don't think of it as a character. I'm just, I guess, kind of a weird dude. Or I've taken... Yeah taken some of my quirks of being a bad performer and turned them into strengths you uh -huh. know, uh -huh. over, over the years. So right. if there's a character, that's all it is. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I mean, and that's exactly what it ought to be, I think. And Woody Allen's character, I guess we all assume, comes from his insecurities. And uh, at some point, again, he, if he's playing the same guy in every movie at this point, you kind of have to, again, right. assume the same thing. It's not a character. Right. Everybody just assumed it was. Right. That person's just so naturally funny. Um is there, there's got, I'm, what's your, do you have a favorite bit off this, this compilation? Uh, I like the moose bit, I think is a probably Okay, see, that's, I think, I feel like that's everybody's, it's my favorite bit off of this too, and it's just, it's got a lot going on. Yeah. It's a perfect joke, it's a, it's a good story joke, but it's also got a little social commentary. Right, exactly. You know? right. Yeah, it's so absurd, and then it hits you at the end with social commentary, and mm -hmm. it all coalesces that you're like, where's he going with this thing? <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. he drags it out for so long. 
Um, yeah, it's a perfect joke. Yeah. <laughs> Is this, uh, what's the first comedy album you ever listened to growing up? Well, um, I don't really know. I mean, I listened to just like, cause my parents weren't into comedy albums or anything, but I had an uncle that lived in Indianapolis and Bob and Tom. I don't mm-hmm. know if he was yeah, like yeah. big there. Mm-hmm. And so like I had these Bob and Tom compilation things from my uncle. Yeah. And so I remember, geez, I don't even remember who was on those things. Um, I remember, what's his name? Uh, uh, I'm going to say Graham Elwood. That's not the guy. Uh, he did the song Toast, as I remember. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, I know, the, I know the exact bit you're talking about, too. Yeah, uh, uh. I used to love that one for sure. Mm-hmm. I remember off of those. Um, but yeah, I watched a lot of comedy on TV, late night stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember the old Conan. Like I remember um, just certain people from that that struck me as more interesting than the people that were more famous. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Drake Sather I remember liking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, I should have <laughs> I should have done my memory a little better before. No, I got no, here. no, no, no. I, I, we're, you know, we're here to talk about the album, but I always like. I'm always curious, like, if this is like the was this the first album that you went out and sought out and bought? Comedy wise, probably. Yeah. Well, well, maybe, probably, and then, but after that, I started getting more into comedy albums, and so I would hear these stories of these legends that I'd never heard of. All of a sudden, oh, you got to hear this guy, Bill Hicks. Okay, I'm going and get Bill Hicks. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, I was the club. I was in good with in Madison I was close with the owner and stuff like Lewis Black recorded his album there uh-huh. so like I was there for that and then like Doug Stanhope would come through so I'd have his albums and like all these people that would come through I'd get their albums you yeah. know so then that's when I really started listening to comedy and okay. you know CDs mostly but. sure of course yeah <laughs> uh, so was it uh, a thing were you was it a matter of like studying were you getting these people or were you just I love their set I just want to listen to it over and over again um, I wasn't studying but I listened to it and then I was like, oh, that's a trick I could use, or that would mm-hmm. something, you know, something about that. I'm like, okay, I see how he did something different there. Yeah, and I, that's something I could pull from, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, even the moose bit, I intentionally wrote a joke on my album to try and emulate the moose bit. Uh huh. <laughs> bastardized version of it, but you know, try and get get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. No, that's smart. Uh, I see. I was going to look at this for a track listing, but that's the problem with this album. It's it's there is no track listing, so you just got to kind of pull it out of your butt um, and, and and remember all of it. It's some people say if you listen to it, you can kind of hear him evolving over four years as a stand up, which is odd because eventually he just totally drops it. And, yeah, I don't. You know, because I never realized. I don't think that it was multiple albums mm-hmm. when I first started listening to it. Yeah, I didn't either. But um, having re-listened to it just recently i was like oh you can tell he's much more successful on these yeah you know, like he's talking about doing commercials and movies and stuff mm-hmm. like later and then the earlier stuff is like just about his family and stuff you know mm-hmm. his wife and whatever i'd be curious to see and we've talked about this before i would be curious to see if he if he'd try it again but i don't know if he'd be any good at it at this yeah, point after yeah. this many years <laughs> off yeah yeah i don't know it's i mean even listening to it again you're just like oh this is pretty dated a lot of it but mm-hmm. i mean it's still really solid um but there was that rumor that it was going to be a double bill of him and Barbara Streisand at like Madison Square Garden. What? Oh my god! <laughs> a few years ago, but that might have been some like New York fever dream. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so okay, so Madison, Wisconsin. Yep. All right. Uh, what's the comedy scene like there growing up? Um, well, when I started, it was you know you had your road comics that would go up and do Milwaukee and Appleton and you know all little towns in between. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then there was uh, kind of the guy who got me doing stand-up had been doing stand-up up in Green Bay since he was in high school. Mm-hmm. And he came to school in Madison, kept doing it. And then I ended up writing for him on this little public access TV show. Mm-hmm. And then he's the one that talked me into doing stand-up. And so it was kind of me and him were the young guys. And then some other college kids started doing it. And so that was kind of our little scene was like four or five of us, just mm-hmm. college kids doing it. Um, yeah. Now it's huge. Like the open mic there I just went was like 40 people all about Shit. college age. You know, <laughs> but Back when we did it, it was like eight people and half of them were from Milwaukee driving to Madison wow. to do it. Yeah. What do you, th- what's the reason for the boom like that? Um, I mean, everyone's doing comedy now, it seems like, but <laughs> uh, it might also be because, so there was two clubs there when I was there, but now there's one mm-hmm, and that okay. club's been there forever, but it has new owners now and the owners are much more friendly and nice. The old okay. owners were really awful and so maybe they scared people away. Or, yeah, yeah. Maybe comedy is more accessible, so people are trying it more or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Does that? I mean, does that help? Is that? Do you do you like seeing like that many people come up and try it out? And nah, it's fine. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't. You know. I don't worry that someone's gonna. You know. Of course. Come and take my spot or anything. Sure. You know. But uh, you know, there's some people that probably shouldn't be doing it that keep doing it. But, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the more the merrier. I say. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't go to enough open mics to really to to get a feel of it. Uh, again, I'm I'm a comedy album guy. I don't see enough live comedy, um, so I'm just always curious, like what it's like to see that many people either learning or like doing it for the first time. I mean, for you, what was it like doing it for the first time? Was it uh, terribly nerve wracking? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd gone to the club a bunch of times, and everyone knew that I was writing for this guy, um, and so I knew all the comics and everything, and then. So that everyone watched when I went up, like all the other comics were watching me, like, oh, this guy who's always in the back of the room's going up. Uh, but I was terrible on stage. Like, just, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I talked into the microphone for the first five years I did comedy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like looking straight down at my shoes the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> what got you over that, though? Like, what, I mean, because were you into it for the performance of it? What was making no, you want to keep doing yeah, it? Yeah, I just liked writing. And, um, you know, I was fine with, this other guy doing my jokes but it was, uh-huh. it was becoming where it didn't fit his okay what he did and, mm-hmm. you know and he was you know always a big proponent of me doing it myself mm-hmm. um, but I just I wanted to write I just liked writing so I'm like okay this will be an avenue to get into the writing part of it and then you know after many years the stage fright goes away and then it's actually fun doing stand up but it, for a long time it was not <laughs> yeah Wow, but I, I guess I don't hear that often enough. Where, like you say, for maybe maybe it's a little exaggeration. But like you said, for five years, you're not you're not fully like. Are you not as engaged, or is it you're just you're just scared? Like, are you scared. still engaged? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of scared. I just had to, you know, I was nervous talking too fast, not talking okay. into the mic, you know. But like the the owner of the second club that's now closed, but he really took me under his wing and gave me a lot of work and really liked me. Like, okay, thought I was interesting and had you know was doing it differently than other people and so um it was nice and i just like the environment of being at a comedy club you know yeah. like meeting new people and stuff uh, that are really funny people you know so i've always liked that and you can't just hang around and not do it yeah <laughs> you know, kind of, of course you know. yeah so yeah it was kind of but you know he was giving me work a lot of times and mm-hmm. you know i've quit many times over and it's always been like one guy that'll keep me doing it a little bit you know so sure you know I don't know. <laughs> Do you think it's a, uh, that, I mean, I know it's a common thing for, for stand-ups to be shy. It's a common thing for any performer to be shy at first, of course. But 
it does it seems to be and I I've never interviewed Emo Phillips or Stephen Wright or anybody else or you know obviously uh, anybody else I might maybe put your comedy in the same camp sure. as um, but there does seem to maybe be a little shyness either it's put on or definitely was there at one point and they learned right. to use it in a way where you can kind of, like Emo Phillips I've never met the man have you met Emo Phillips yeah actually we're uh, pretty good friends now yes oh that's so good because he's like totally my hero that's so, so good yeah yeah <laughs> so and again I don't know how much of the voice is what it is but he does strike me as a guy who must have been a nervous performer at first and I could be wrong one of these days I hope to have him on the show and yeah. interview him but like the same thing with Stephen Wright, very quiet, which again could be a deliberate choice. Yeah. But again, it seems like it could be a result of right. being a shy seem, guy. Yeah, they seem so. I mean, they've been both been doing it for so long. It's mm-hmm. hard, but like it seems, it's odd, but it seems natural. A hundred percent. And it, it is. It's the same when I when I listen to you. And it, it's now that I'm thinking about it more. Not that Woody Allen was a one liner, but when he did one one liners, it had a very similar flavor. Right. Because there is this there's this element of get in, get out joke's over yeah. and if I like not to say that you do this but if I want to quit right now I can because my joke's over yeah. you know yeah. like and a hammer out. although also I do like the, the very deliberate pacing of your stuff because I have where the hell is it I, I um, Matt Belknap gave me okay. your, your album okay right. uh, and either Matt Belknap or Dave Clock did one of the two oh, did okay, okay. Yeah. and and when I first listened to it, there, there are a number of things that strike me. Number two is like, holy crap, I've always wanted to do that joke, and he did it way better than I could have <laughs> done it. And and number two, there is this, you do have a very deliberate pacing about it. And is there is there any thought behind why you do it that way, or is it just you? Um, it's definitely been developed over time. I don't know. I never really thought about it, but um, I don't know. It uh, Sometimes jokes... Uh, my jokes take a little second to sink in. What's sure. going on? Yeah. I, I like I like the uh, architecture of jokes or something. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh-huh. Not necessarily the words, but like the beats or how how you get to the punchline. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to invent a new way to do that. Yeah. Like it's you know I probably have never done that, but it's always like a challenge for me to try. Okay. There's like eight joke structures or something in the world. Let's say. Mm-hmm, I'm like mm-hmm. I want to invent the ninth one. Of course. <laughs> of course. And so. Sometimes the punchlines come from diagonals or something, you know. Yeah. Like, so, I think I had certain jokes that I knew I had to wait on the audience for, and then it just ended up becoming, okay, I have to wait on a lot of jokes. So that's kind of true. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, pacing wise, I mean, I've been doing it a long time, but not the way I do it now. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're one-liners, but sometimes you have to build momentum, and sometimes you have to let it. Linger, and you just yeah. kind of get a feel for it. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, is there? You've got a couple jokes that are, uh, and I, I, I'm try, I can't think of any of his to compare right now. But I know there are a couple that are what I like to call long walk jokes, where you're just building and yeah. building to a really ridiculous punchline, and I mean that in the best way possible. Because yeah. I like a good pun. I like I like very silly jokes. Is there something about that where you like to have the the audience like kind of following and? questioning yeah. what the hell you're getting to. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely fun. I, uh, um, I guess the moose joke would be like that, because you joke. don't know where it's going. Right, and so my, my rip-off of the moose joke is the duck story. <laughs> yes. So that was the deliberate, like, moose joke rip-off. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see if I could do it and pull off something that just goes forever, going nowhere, and mm-hmm. then it, it coalesces at the end. But... <laughs> Uh, no social commentary in it, however. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I remember in college, 
the oldest joke that I still would do occasionally, and it's on the album, uh, about I can't have kids, <laughs> you know, that's the oldest joke that I still would do, and it, um, I remember writing it thinking, okay, this is a good idea, but it's not working, and realizing I had to add more beats to it. Yeah. Just a couple more words, it was the way I was doing it was too quick, and so that was the one in my mind where I was like, okay, I learned something new just now. Yeah. And, words matter like mm-hmm. you know it's the punchline doesn't need to change but the getting there needs to change right so that was kind of an important step in, in learning how to write a joke <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. and do you literally write jokes or are you very much a try it out try it out remember remember it? no no i write it i uh i mean right now because twitter is what made me more of a one-liner type i just really write everything on twitter and use that as like a notebook and then you know, sometimes it's a little too short where you need to add the beats like that sure. or you need to figure out a little bit on stage, but pretty much when it's written, it's done, you know, Yeah. for most of them. People feel like they're burning jokes on Twitter, but you're okay with it. You don't mind using it and then yeah, developing I, it. I, you know, I think, because sometimes they standing on their own, they seem kind of dumb, but when you put them in a context, they're like, sure. they work better. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so I don't mind it at all. And I'm, you know, I'm not an egomaniac that thinks everyone's reading my Twitter feed. So. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it, it doesn't hurt, too, that it, you're, you were missing your literal voice on Twitter. Right. Yes, your comedic voice is there, but your actual voice is going to play into it. Right. The fact that you're having a, a semi-conversation with an audience is, right. is there, too. Um, let's see. I'm trying to... So, when you, so you start out in stand-up there. When do you first start being, like, start moving around and doing comedy outside of your comfort zone? Um, outside of Madison, you mean? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, I did a couple of road gigs, like some headliners that would like me, just regional-type headliners would mm-hmm. bring me and open for them. You know, I'd be the feature act or whatever, so you're doing like a half hour, 25 minutes or something. And mm-hmm. Usually like a college town. Um, so I did some of that, and then I moved to Austin, Texas, uh, which I visited up. My very good friend uh, had moved there and she started doing comedy there. Michelle Balloon, who you may know. I know the name. She's on a special thing as well. Uh, so she started doing comedy after she moved to Austin. She'd always been funny. We worked on that same TV show together and, Mm -hmm. you know, but she'd never done stand-up. And so she started in Austin. I went to visit her. I met her friends that were doing stand-up and I'm like, oh, these guys are way more interesting than the people in Madison that are doing it. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, the... Chris Fairbanks, you might know. Yeah, yeah. Was one of the guys, uh-huh. you know. So it was. So I moved to Austin, knowing that I was going to move to LA eventually. I just wasn't ready. Yeah. And I so I used Austin as a stepping stone. Yeah. But it was great to see people doing weird stuff that you know nobody in Madison was doing weird stuff except me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was great to have a better community, I think, in Austin. So. Well, um, that's the other thing too is and I'm sorry to interrupt but like that's sometimes ego would get in the way where people would be like well I was the only weird guy back home so I stood out but here you you were like you liked that there were more people to feed off yeah of, well yeah. yeah and we weren't I mean we all had separate voices like everyone sure. was doing it differently so it wasn't yeah it was great it was you know and it's just people I really got along with mm-hmm. you know people my age I didn't really have anyone my age in Madison okay. still like you know I had a couple but they're usually older guys you mm-hmm. know so it was fun to go, and then Austin's just a great city, like, you yeah. know, so uh, I was starting to feel old in Madison, just being 24, it's such a college town that, okay, I, you yeah. know, at 24, you're like, oh, I'm not in school anymore, <laughs> and just, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So you get to, uh, so, all right, so when you get to Austin, uh, and I'm, 
and I'm sorry to like harp on the whole one-liner thing, but I, I'm glad that you at least define yourself that way so I'm not being an ass <laughs> by assuming, because some people don't want to be labeled. But um, w was there ever a point where you're like, this is a very weird choice I'm making, or was it just natural for you? Because not most people don't do it because they can't do it. It's, um, well, it's not I an easy thing. some one-liners, you know? It was always like a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. um, but... Um, like like I said, I quit a lot of times, mm -hmm, and I uh, moved mm -hmm. to L.A., wasn't having good sets. I had every opportunity to get on great shows, mm -hmm. just from having known all the people from Austin that had been doing well here, yeah. and also people I'd worked with, Maria Bamford and Paul Tompkins helped me get on stuff, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so when I got here, I had every chance to succeed, and I just was not having good sets. Sure. So I just kind of quit again. And then Twitter came around, and Michelle Balloon signed me up for Twitter. I'm not on Facebook to this day. Like, I'm not a social media guy. And she just, like, signed me up to just, just follow these ten people to start. Give it a week. See if you like it. I just started writing jokes and then getting tons of followers. And yeah. I got a bunch of followers. And uh, and then somebody, DJ Doug Pound, actually, asked me to do his little show. He was doing it at this place called Big Fish. And uh, I think it's up, oh, it's up uh, Glendale. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll just print out all these Twitter jokes that I think are funny and just read them off the page. That's awesome. And uh, I was like, that went pretty well. And then, <laughs> but even after the first time, I was like, okay, I know what I need to do to make this an actual act. Mm -hmm. And so I knew right away what it was going to turn into the first time I did it. You know, I knew it wasn't there yet, but I knew I could see where it was gone. Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. <laughs> see, that's interesting too, is that there's two comedic instincts working there. There's one where it's just like, I know how to write jokes and I know what I find is funny. The other, the other instinct that is there, and it's a good thing that somebody pulled you out to have you start writing jokes again, is that you know what to, how to turn that into an act. Yeah. That is something that is missing from somebody like myself. I, I'm a joke writer and I can write, but I would not know how to take any of the stuff I write and turn it into a joke. Or an act, I mean. Right. I don't have I don't have a I don't have a personality for that that I know that I would be able to turn into something that would work for me. Right. Did you did you realize that that was like laying dormant in you that you're like, well I've got some stuff that would work, or were you just like done done? Did you I was feel just done? I didn't think I was having any success. I didn't you know, I wasn't having any fun doing it. Yeah. And then yeah, it was just like a new I was like, Okay, I think I'm doing something a little differently than other people and it's kind of exciting and I wanna see where this goes and then and then that's where, like, the whole thing came out of, and that was, like, you know, it didn't take very long to really figure it out, you know? Yeah. The hardest thing is just remembering jokes. There's, yeah, you know, of course. My album's, like, 90-something jokes. There's, Jesus. You know, the I was lessons. wondering about that. <laughs> oh, because only a couple of them are, like like you say, a little bit longer, but the rest of them are just, like, boom, boom. Yeah. And, ah, that's, that's crazy. I So let's go back to Woody Allen just for a sure. little bit. Um... Because sorry, first episode's always autobiographical, so that's yeah. how I, I always like to do them. But do you have a, some other bits on here besides the moose bit that sort of stand out and maybe? Yeah, I love the joke where he's talking about his ex-wife and he's like, "Oh, she was so immature. Tell me if you think this is immature. I'd be taking a bath and she'd barge right in and sink my boats." <laughs> it's like such a funny joke. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's such a good joke. There's so many. What was the one? Or just how he does like. The kidnapping bit's not my favorite bit by any stretch, but I was just listening to that today, and mm -hmm. I was like, there's a million jokes in this silly story. Yeah. You know, it just keeps joke, 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 joke. Like, it feels like he could stop on any word and spin off to a joke, it feels like. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be over even though he's not gotten to the end of the thing. <laughs> yeah, but it feels like he, like he knows 
when you feel it when it's ending, like you know this is the end of the bit, and maybe it's just because I've heard it so many times or something, but it feels like they all have an ending, even though there's joke, 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 and then it's like resolution. You mm-hmm. know, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, which it does, uh, I guess it makes sense that he would eventually become, you know, a filmmaker and somebody who's like a more defined storyteller. Because yeah. filmmakers, I feel like, are the people who call themselves storytellers, whereas comics tend to be like, well, no, I tell jokes. Because, uh, you know, filmmakers, being a filmmaker myself, I know how pretentious we can get, and I, <laughs> that's why I'd rather fall back on being a joke teller or a joke maker. So you're exposed to this album through a friend. Did you listen to it with your friend, or did you just buy it? I just bought it. Um, yeah, I just bought it and listened to it uh, on my own, mm-hmm. and then I probably loaned it to him. Um, so the guy that, who told me to listen to it, though, was like, not, I was friendly with him, but... Mm-hmm. He was such a hack comedian, so I thought it was like an insult. Like I coming uh-huh. from him, I didn't trust that it was. You know what he's talking about. Um, so yeah, then I, after I read Without Feathers, I w- immediately went and bought the album, and then yeah, definitely listened to it on my own, and then loaned it to him. And yeah, yeah. There, there are some comics I who have who have interviewed and they, and they get interested in a comedian because of their point of view or their perspective or how they remind them of themselves or they see some. Is it, was it for him just pure? These are great jokes and yeah, and I just love jokes. Yeah, they're pure great jokes. Is pretty much it. It was um, yeah, because I mean I don't think I knew a Jewish person mm-hmm. back then. You know, like yeah. it was, there's nothing I related to. There's references I don't get to this day. Sure, um, you know, which is funny because to me that interesting to some people it turns them off like they think they're being talked down to or something if they right. don't understand and they shut off and get really angry <laughs> but no it's you know yeah I think that's great that there's things I don't understand I, I'm like okay I know what this is probably about mm-hmm. <laughs> right but uh, yeah just great joke telling joke writing yeah did you ever share any other albums with anybody else or was it always more the community of telling jokes with each other Oh, yeah, I mean, we talk about albums and, you know, like, you know, um, I'm trying to think, you know, I've probably introduced Doug Stanhope to a million people, just, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I can't really, off off the top of my head, think of anything else I would have shared with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, um, well, oh, uh, Put Them Up or, what is it, the New York show, where Eugene Merman had a show, or... I don't know that one. Oh, it was a show uh, in New York that they did, like recorded an album, so it's got a bunch of people okay. on it, and that was really funny to me. So I definitely probably shared that with somebody, like burnt a CD and gave it to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I should listen to that. I love Eugene Merman. Yeah, what was his old show? It's like put them up or uh, yeah, I'll look it up and let you know. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, how about this album though? I mean, have you ever said, "Hey, you should listen to this," or do you assume everybody has because it's Woody Allen? <laughs> no, I mean. No, I don't, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, right, it's kind of dated, you know. Sure. But, uh, so if, if I was to tell people this is the best album in the world, they'd listen to it and go, really? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, right. But, um, yeah, and I don't know if I think it's the best album in the world, it's just an album that was important to me. Yeah, no, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, so, uh, do you still, when you listen to it, are you still, do you still get stuff that you can pick out and you hear something new, you're like, oh, there's a new twist or there's a new piece, or have do you have it basically memorized? Right? Basically memorized, I think, um, this album, but then I, so I couldn't find it uh, when I was going to listen to it, so I ended up downloading essentially what the album's, it's based off of, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so there's a bunch of stuff that I hadn't listened to as much because I'd listened to this album so much, so there was stuff that had been cut 
that I listened to it, and so that was new. Mm-hmm. But I could definitely tell the stuff that was on this album because as soon as it started, I'm like, oh, I know this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beat for beat. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, how about growing up as far as comedy? What was your first exposure to comedy in general? Was it TV stuff? I know you're talking about you like to watch a lot of yeah. stand-ups on TV. Yeah, I mean, um, that Bob and Tom stuff that my uncle gave me. But mm-hmm. I, we went to visit my uncle one time. We went to a comedy club. And I, I don't know how old I was, 14 or something. Um, but I remember thinking it was so funny. The comics on stage were so funny. Mm-hmm. I remember the one guy doing, like, uh, he did, like, a Johnny Carson impression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever of seen. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm no snob. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up, like, you know, being like, oh, you know, Steve Martin's the first exposure I had to comedy. You know, it was just, like, garbage comedy. Um <laughs> But, uh, yes, I, definitely that. Definitely was the first time I saw it live. Uh, and then yeah. I yeah, I just got way into Conan in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all the comics he had, you know, back then, I definitely would watch. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, all right, so you move. Uh, so when you first moved out here to L.A., um, I mean, was it, what was the scene like? What How's the scene different out here if you compare the three? If you compare. Oh, well, I mean. Out here, there's people struggling and people doing great, just like shoulder to shoulder, or, yeah, you know, like on the same yeah. lineups and stuff. A lot of times, so that's interesting. And it's for the people that aren't well known to be on shows that are uh, known for having famous people. Depending on the show, mm-hmm. it can be tough. If you're you sure. Know, oh, we're here to see somebody famous, but we got to put up with this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So it's kind of an interesting dilemma sometimes. Like you see people doing really well, and you're like, uh, or you see people. That should be doing really well, not doing well, oh, sure, because of the vibe in the room. So mm-hmm. that you don't see anywhere else. <laughs> really, that's yeah, interesting. Be, well, I mean, you wouldn't have lineups that are like that. Yeah, you'd okay. have an opener, a middle, and then your headliner or whatever. But you wouldn't have. Okay, now you're following Mark Marin today. <laughs> no name person, you know. Oh, shit. <laughs> so that's L.A. is kind of a weird animal that way. But I've always liked the challenge of following somebody I have no right following. <laughs> Is it just? Can you feel the room change when you're doing your act? Because it is very different from what a lot of people do. Um, yeah, certain rooms. Like I do meltdown a fair mm-hmm. amount now. Or I used to do it more, but that was definitely like. Uh, I could feel like uh, almost like a connection with that group of more than some places, you know, just mm-hmm. because they were. I don't know if. I think they related to me a little more than some rooms. Okay. Because it is a comic book store. It's sure. like a nerdy group of people, you know, mm-hmm. like a hip nerds. So. Yeah. Um, so that's always been a good room for me for that. Like, I could feel where, I, like, I fit in there more. And even though, you know, somebody maybe more famous doesn't do as well as I would do there mm-hmm. because it's just the right fit, you know. Yeah. But then I can feel other times where, like, I just did a show where I was following a bunch of, like, high energy storytellers. And then. I went up and I had 10 minutes and I was like, I'm going to need all 10 minutes to get them to think the way I'm thinking, you mm-hmm. know, it's gonna, they're not going to know what hit them just compared to who was before me. Of course. And yeah. it was just a like uphill sledding the whole way. <laughs> right. God, that's a challenge. That's, uh, that's kind of, but then afterwards, like a ton of people were like, you were so funny, but they just didn't know what to make of me at the time. Sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. I can see that. I, I, people do get like, if, if, if there's a, if there's a theme to the night or just this, just kind of feel to it, it is weird to have a new peak or a yeah. new valley, you know? 
Um, did you, after this, I mean, or before this, did you watch any Woody Allen films? Are you a fan of his films? Uh, yeah, then I, about that same time, I was actually driving taxi on the side, doing comedy. Okay. Driving taxi, and one of my fellow cab drivers was, like, Woody Allen was his favorite filmmaker, so, like, he kind of just gave me, like, a schooling on, awesome. on Woody Allen. So, I watched a lot of his movies, um, you know, right around that time. I still haven't seen nearly you know I, I sure. some of the classic ones I haven't seen so yeah no same here uh, and I but I, I do I mean I love his set do you have a favorite of the ones that you've seen um the I mean Annie Hall's great mm-hmm. um I like the the last one or not two ones ago with won a bunch of acting Oscars oh I, I didn't see that one either I'm way behind um, on the new ones yeah that was great uh, the one that yeah Louis C.K.'s in it and mm-hmm. like yeah that one's great um I can't remember the name of it. It's like a woman. Jasmine name. isn't Jasmine. Yeah, Blue Jasmine. There we go. Yeah, Blue Jasmine. That one's great. Um, yeah, Annie Hall's great. Yeah, I mean, you watch Woody Allen's movies and you're like, take a couple years off and really flesh this out, though. You're <laughs> right. Like, you're right. like, you don't have to do one a year. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's too many movies where he's repeating himself, and then yeah. there's some that are really inventive, interesting movies. Um, the one where like Robin Williams is like fading away. Oh, that one's. Mm-hmm. I saw that a long time ago, but I remember liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of them that are the same, and then there's some that are crazy inventive, like so. Yeah, uh, I feel like Annie Hall might. Be. Have you ever seen uh, Take the Money and Run? That would be one that. Uh, that's the. Uh, I think I have. That one's. I mean, it's the goofier. Yeah. And I, it, it's weird to mention to people who are really love his yeah. his artier films. But it's almost I, like a naked gun sort of. Like yeah, I mean, it's it's a fake documentary, but there's some really brilliant jokes in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's just one that I when I think of Woody Allen compared to like this kind of comedy, I, I think yeah. like oh well, clearly that's the same dude writing that stuff. Right. You know. Whereas Annie Hall is like, well, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into life. I'm gonna explore. Although there's some really great jokes in Annie Hall too. Yeah. Like it's a very jokey movie. Yeah, very. Bland, but the jokes are like straight from his stand up too, which is kind of yeah. annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a great movie. It's uh, yeah, the relationships interesting just in that movie. Like it's you know, it's like oh, I've had that same relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 and I, I, oh, I do wonder if that's a, a creative person thing, if if having those, or maybe those relationships are typical, and that's why it resonates with people. But it is funny to watch his movies because sometimes they do have a tinge of, well, the reason you've had this life experience is because you're this kind of person, right? Which is a thing that a lot of entertainment people maybe can relate to better. Yeah, maybe, maybe crazy actors slash actresses. It's, right. it's a thing that a lot of us run into if right. you're in this business. Um, so let's see. Um, let me make sure that I'm not. Okay, good. Doing fine. And there goes everything. Um, let's see. So, uh, so when you picked apart, so you unfortunately had to download three albums, and I'm sorry about that. I wish I had known. I would have sent it to you. I would have sent the oh, yeah, MP3 I, I, of it. I didn't. I thought I had it, and I could not find it. Like I, I put everything in boxes, and I don't know where it's at. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so, did you find anything new listening to those, or is it pretty? I mean, it's pretty locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, it did strike me that, like, a lot of the ref... Listening to it again, I was like, oh, there are a lot of references I just don't get. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, when I first listened to it, I didn't care. Like, <laughs> But now that I'm just kind of listening to it, I'm not laughing because I haven't, you know... I know the thing inside now. It's, uh, but it was just like, oh, yeah, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, um, it's fun. Do you... Uh, I'm, uh, let's see. Are there any jokes that are in your act now that you've had to take that you've had to like 
the chop up or really tweak the hell out of to make work. I'm curious because um, again, they feel tight and they feel like, well, because it's it seems small, it must be it must have been easy to put together, which I know is not the case, but I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let me grab a set list. There we go. I can't remember. <laughs> um, I have my little notebook with me. I have a set later tonight, and I didn't know if I was going to get home. Um, yeah, I don't know. They come. I mean. They're in my brain for a long time, but by the time they hit the paper, they're pretty well formed. Yeah. And I kind of have a good instinct after doing it for a lot of years, what's going to work and what's not going to, or what's sure. a challenge. So I'm trying to think if there's anything that I maybe got wrong, but, <laughs> you know, sensed it was wrong mm -hmm. and just kept figuring it out. I can't think of anything. I'm sure that's happened. That no kids joke was definitely like, okay, this joke's <laughs> funnier than the response. What's wrong with it? But that was from very early on. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you write them down word for word when you write them down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, well, no, no. If I, I write them on Twitter usually now, mm -hmm. and if they don't fit, you know, I write some bastardized version of it. But mm -hmm. I just write the thing I'll put on my set list, which is like two or three words. Okay. So I don't write them word for word, okay. but they're in my head word for word. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. It's a mnemonic for you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's just, it. once it, I figure it out, it like locks into place, and that's how it's gonna be told <laughs> yeah it's weird after doing this podcast for four years i think it's the first time i've ever asked basically asked somebody to get out their set list and tell me what the fuck um because it, it's an interesting process to me um so uh i want to make sure that we uh, first of all uh your album poems about the ocean yeah uh when did that come out actually i was given it um very kindly but what year was it i don't have uh, it in front probably Three years, 2012? 2012, okay. 12 or 13. Uh, do you have another album upcoming? No, I don't. I uh, I want to. It's a fun process putting together the album. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that process. Um, but It I really don't. is great. I, I want to make sure people listen to this album. It is a wonderful album. And it's got great cover art. Dave Clock is a genius. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Um, and then working with Dave and stuff, like, you know, I was like, it's a weird album I want. I was like looking at all his meltdown posters and I was mm -hmm. like, you like drawing hands, don't you? He's like, yeah. He's like, okay, I got this idea for this thing. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, he wanted to do watercolors. He's like, I've been dabbling with watercolors. Let's do some watercolors. Yeah. So that's how that came about. <laughs> it's a wonderful but yeah, it was fun. I, I mean, if you come to my house during the month leading up to, or the couple of months leading up to doing um, the album, First, Jonah Ray talked me into doing the album. I didn't even want to do it. Uh -huh. Talked me into it. Hooked me up with a special thing, which I knew, Belknap. I, mm -hmm. I hadn't yet known McManaman. Uh, but then, yeah, I think he talked me into it, like, in February or something. I was opening for his album. Uh, mm -hmm. His album was opening for the recording of that. That's and right. Of course. What the fuck? Where's my brain? I was there for that recording. <laughs> so, Yeah, and I think that's where I was like, okay, I'll do an album. And then, like, essentially had three months to put it together and I didn't once do a set over like 10 minutes long leading up to the recording of the album so I just put it in chunks and re did, like rehearsed the chunks mm -hmm. so I'd never done it front to back before recording wow. it and we recorded in one shot holy shit yeah so it was fun uh, but yeah my living room I have hardwood floors and it just had papers all over like it was a CSI investigation <laughs> like I'm rearranging stuff and like drawing arrows across and god I would have looked like a murderer if you'd walked into my apartment <laughs> that's amazing it's a lot I mean I people may be underestimating even I must underestimating the work that it takes and the stress that it takes to put something well, like that I mean, together because it's it's one of those things where I just I never had the chance to do like you know a 45 minute set on the 
road leading up to when I was recording it. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to practice it in LA and I can't practice it, you know, and it's, you know, there's some bits that I'd only told maybe once before they were on the album. Right. And maybe I've never told them since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you, I was just thinking about this, what if you'd had the opportunity when you started, let's say within the first two years of being a comic, let's say somebody saw you and liked your stuff, even if you look back now and don't really like all the stuff you did, and they said, let's make an album. Can you imagine, like, can you think of what that album would have been? Would there have been, what the 45 minutes or so would have been that you would have put on an album? Yeah, yeah, I mean, because And I, would it be painful to listen to now? It would be very painful to listen to, for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I was doing, like, you know, when I was living in Texas, I did some headlining gigs, so I've mm -hmm. done sets that were that long. Yeah. But there was just, you know, it was, there's painful dips that are just you know like the top end stuff is probably all right but then the dips you know would have been brutal okay, okay. <laughs> uh and yeah my delivery wouldn't have been very good i don't think mm -hmm. <laughs> well it's it, it's it's interesting that like you tweaked your delivery you you got you lucked into this new social media thing happening and then all that just comes together and then oh i've got enough that somebody's making me do an album which yeah. I love it's 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 an interesting story that people are just like no you need to keep doing this yeah. people can see that like no you need people need to hear your album yeah that's yeah. So funny. It's definitely been a few people along the way that have done that you know definitely kept me going mm -hmm. uh and uh well let's so let's make sure that um people know where can they find you online uh twitter it's jim underscore hamilton mm -hmm. um my website which is never updated is jimhamiltoncomedy.com mm -hmm. And then, yeah, my album's on a special thing, so they can get it from iTunes or the website, AST Records, is it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, and also, if, if you're going to recommend to anybody within a, in a couple sentences why to listen to this album if they haven't heard it before, um, what's what's a good reason to listen yeah, to... Yeah, to listen to Woody Allen's yeah. stand-up comic, I would, it's just, I mean, the moose bit alone, it's a perfect joke, but, uh, yeah, it's, they're absurd jokes that are more than... It's not just silliness for silliness sake. Like mm -hmm. it comes, it's always has a point. You know, the bullet in the breast pocket. Like oh god, <laughs> just uh, yeah, if we had the track listing, I think we'd have a much better conversation. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just kind of remembering one at a time here. But yeah, bullet in the breast pocket. Like the sink my boats. The you know so many like great jokes that mean more than they seem to mean. Yeah. It's, well, and there's also there's this thing where you know he talks about. Um, he talks about like being in analysis. He talks it, this all this insecurity that's coming out in, in his stand-up that I don't know was necessarily a common thing. Yeah. Before then, it was I'm being nagged by my wife. Right. right. This or that. And he's even got jokes about his own wife, but and divorce and stuff. But they come from this perspective of this super nebbishy guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, for somebody like me, for for a nerd like myself, I'm trying to pull up the uh, the track listing right now. Um, See, for one of the first results is Moose Story. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, oh wow, this is an entire transcript of the entire album. This is amazing. This is, I'm going to have to put this online. Uh, but I mean, again, like I said, you said you go to Meltdown, there's a bunch of nerds. They can yeah. relate to you. I feel like there must have been people who wanted this kind of thing at the time. Yeah, I think it probably what drew him, because he was playing the village and it was like him and Cosby and stuff. Like, yeah. Like the different wave, and it was. A more personal sort of you know like mm -hmm. it was that time when people were into folk music and it was yeah. like you know like it was okay he's smarter than we are or yes. as smart as we are you know he's, yeah he's uh he's showing his insecurity he's being personal he's uh and telling great jokes and you know yeah yeah he's got i mean 
some kind of hipness to him that I, I don't understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like, you know? So, yeah, it was, uh, it would have been an interesting time to be back, back in the village and, you know, like, I saw this great article that was just, uh, from back then about, about him and Cosby just being, like, the new wave of comedian and it's, yeah, it was really interesting. That's so weird. <laughs> That's fa- Okay, so here we go. I do have a track listing, so that maybe this will help a little, but, uh, maybe, uh, we got Private Life, we have Brooklyn, The Army, Pets, My Grandfather, Mary, then Bullet in My Breast Pocket. But literally, like, this is this is an entire, this is a word-by-word, word-for-word transcript of the <laughs> entire thing. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe looking at the track listing will yeah, jog your memory a little bit. Here. Um, yeah, so he, uh, let's see. I mean, I, I remember the one thing he did, the... Uh, he was having sex and he was thinking about baseball mm-hmm. and he goes like play by play with the baseball like he's describing like she digs her nails into my <laughs> back and uh you know Koufax steals second or whatever <laughs> like he's like going back and forth and he's at the end he's like he's like oh this is this is too personal this, I can't uh the Giants won <laughs> so stupid um yeah the eggs Benedict story uh, he's, he's like, I have a pain in my chest pocket, and I didn't want to pay for the doctors, but my friend Eggs Benedict had a pain in his chestal area, so I sent him to the doctor, and he paid us twenty five dollars. Turns out it was heartburn. I feel like I won. <laughs> Call Eggs two days later. He died. Race to the hospital, get a bunch of tests and X rays. Uh, cost me one hundred and ten bucks. It was heartburn. I'm furious. I go to Eggs' mom. I'm like, did he suffer? It's like no, you got hit by a car and that was it. <laughs> it's like the dumbest like Catskill sort of like joke. Of you course, know? he's got that weird mix. That's the one thing that's always struck me is there's a weird mix of that. Yeah, that same kind of. Uh, and actually, I think we were talking about. And why is his friend named Eggs Benedict? Yes, like, right, <laughs> right. Uh, when I uh, was talking, I had met Belknap on the show a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about Stephen Wright, and I, it never occurred to me that that like modern one-liner jokes do kind of have they kind of have the spirit of vaudeville even if it's yeah. not the same kind of or the cat skills even if it's not the same exact it's not shticky yeah. but to some people because it's different than regular stand up it yeah. might feel shticky yeah yeah it, um like uh David Tell who I used to know pretty well I don't really see him anymore but he uh I think I read an interview or something or maybe we talked about it but he's like he's like I'm a joke writer he's mm-hmm. like you know you know I'm a drunken buffoon but I'm just writing jokes they're mm-hmm. jokes you know and like I think that's the difference between you know Henny Youngman and Stephen Wright is Stephen Wright's added a twist or Hedberg is you know they added a twist to it to make it like oh this is a real person telling these jokes yeah. and the jokes tend to center around you know Hedberg's all about like half his jokes are about food yeah <laughs> he's yeah. just like a stoner eating food like, mm-hmm. so it's uh yeah, it's the spirit of like handing young men and stuff, and uh, but then making it your own. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is awesome. I'm, I we haven't talked about this album in a while. It's funny. One other person brought this up recently too, and I had to say sorry. Somebody else is doing it <laughs> um, because it's it's not damn cats. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like I don't know. It, it's seminal and it's wonderful and it's a great compilation to listen to this guy who, you know, arguably a genius, uh, yeah. developing on stage. And then also to have this great act and just like, no, bye. I'm not doing this right. anymore. I'm going to yeah. do a movie a year. 
I don't play clarinet. Yeah, I'm gonna play clarinet. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing yeah, this. Thanks for having me. Everybody, make sure you follow him on Twitter because that's where his act starts. So that's and, yeah. and that's awesome. Uh, buy his album. Uh, and you know Woody Allen's album is very easy to find, so you should go buy that too. Um, listen to them both. Um, well, thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening, and as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com.